Welcome to my Soul Life podcast. This is my playground and I'm your host, Susan Scollin. I believe that we can live a life we love every day. To do this, we have to go on a journey to uncover who we are on every layer. Join me each Monday for conversations about following our soul's calling and embodying what lights us up so we can become even more amazing people. And then later in the week, I'll be back with our Soul Life conversations where we open up and explore who we truly are to become authentically us. Be inspired. A quick reminder for you that all the information shared in this podcast is my experience and the experience of my guest. It's not medical or mental health advice, diagnosis or treatment, and I'd encourage you to seek professional advice where needed. Today I'm chatting with Micah Fish. This gorgeous soul was channeling right in front of me and you'll hear it as she speaks. When I say that, what I mean is she's divinely guided. And so it's really fun and such a privilege to watch people do this. So I hope you can feel that energy too. And I'm reminded (laughs) that I haven't told you about her story. It's going to blow your mind. So have some fun, tune in and listen. As a fellow soul life aficionado, Micah spends her time close to nature, in solitude, with her loved ones, and in service of her community. Her life is a beautiful collision of creative manifestation, passion, vocation, and profession. She resides in the US with the love of her life, three bonus children, and tuxedo her moody Bernie Doodle on acreage where she owns and operates yoga brain training and coaching and the yoga annex a hot yoga studio the work she does in the world is to practically introduce others to catalysts for positive change her two favorites are coaching and yoga and that change is in alignment with their highest good and to hold space for others while they do the work to believe in themselves ahead of time. And when she's not doing that work, she's cultivating plants and trees from seeds and beautifying the land that she lives on. This is such a soulful episode. And when you hear Micah's story, you're going to be blown away. So, you know, how does somebody recover from that and be the person that she is today and still function in the world? She's going to inspire the pants off you. Micah and I would love to hear what you took away from this episode. So head over to my website, susanscollin.com or Instagram, my.soul.life.podcast and tell us. And you can reach out to Micah via the show notes for this episode on my website to see you inside. Well, welcome, Micah. So great to be here and chatting with you. It's been lovely to meet you. And when we sat down previously to chat I just wrote down she's channeling like she she's right there so it's great to be in this space with you and and just to learn from you and listen to you so I'm really excited thank you Susan for having me I'm excited to be on your podcast and share with your guests as well (laughs) let's dive in so what's bringing you the most joy at the moment oh gosh what's bringing me the most joy um I have been propagating plants from seed lately. Um, Just things like that I'm picking up in the grocery store, lemons, mango, avocado, um, seeds that I'm finding around our property, walnut, acorn, whatnot. And so I've been trying to grow um, little trees from seeds and seedlings. So I think that's bringing me the most joy lately. I think it's symbolic of um, where my life is and 
Ironically, I just had a birthday and I received a necklace which has a tiny little acorn and one tiny oak leaf. So um, I think I'm in the right place. Yeah. <laughs> Happy birthday. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. And it's really an interesting process to cultivate seeds. We did a little bit of it last year with apple seeds coming out of the fruit that we're eating and you think that everything's going to germinate, but it doesn't. We only ended yeah. up getting one that really germinated. And then it, and then because it was so skinny, we tied it up with, um, it was like a metal tie effectively. But then that metal tie ended up cutting the stalk. So we never got the apple tree, but it was a cool experiment. Yeah, that's, I'm there too. I'm maybe 50%, but I'm enjoying the process. Yeah, that's cool. That's awesome. All right. Well, can you take us on your journey? Like, how did you get to like doing the work that you're doing? But before, you know, like, how did it all unfold? Take us back to that beginning point. Yeah. So, um, my healing journey, I think, well, I'll put it this way my holistic healing journey started. Um, I was competing snowboarding. And I was, it was a spring day. I was sitting at the top of a practice jump. Um, I was in college. I was working and I was training and I was tired. It's beautiful, sunny day, spring slushy snow there with my friends. And I was preparing to take my practice jump, but I was exhausted and I could feel it in my bones, but I wasn't willing to stop. There was drive to um, keep you know, practicing and perfect my sport. So I stood up and I had the thought, I just need a break. I then proceeded down the hill to uh, take my practice jump. And I, so I was practicing big air, um, you know, so 40, 50, 60, 90 foot jumps somewhere in there. Um, So I took my jump and I landed on both feet And my ankles broke. So I didn't know at the moment that my ankles had broken. I knew I was in excruciating pain. I knew something was wrong. (laughs) Um, And I I went home. Um, I was resistant to getting any sort of medical care. I don't know why, because I was a stubborn child um, or stubborn young adult. And... um, I mean, that moment really changed my life. For one, you know, I became rather immobile. And so for the next couple of years, I spent time pursuing medical treatment. But um, none of it was working in the way it was supposed to work. And I really had to dig in deep and recognize that I, this happened early on in the process, probably like 10 days in, I had to really look at it and go, how can I have responsibility to fix this? Mm -hmm. I'm in excruciating pain. Um, And the answer that came to me was that I needed to take deep responsibility for drawing that injury into my life. I manifest and I manifest literally. And so I believe the universe has a sense of humor <laughs> sometimes. Um, oh, it, it's, you know, it, it's a harsh truth. And the harsh truth was, was that I said I needed a break. 
and it delivered to me immediately um, within 30 seconds, moments. It often happens for me that way when I'm able to tap in. If I'm in a very clear state of mind, I have to be very careful how I word things and what I ask for. Um, so that was the catalyst. The moment of my healing journey was breaking my ankles after asking for a break and having the realization that um, if I could call it into my life, then I could fix it. And that became my awkward, haphazard journey towards healing myself. Yeah, that's incredible. And how old were you when that happened? You said you're um, early 20s. So I think I was like 21-ish, maybe 22, somewhere in there. And were you preparing for a competition? Um, I was preparing. I was doing the qualifying events to go to the 2000X Games. Yeah, yeah. And so you had a goal, but then the universe came in and said, we're not doing that anymore. Yes. Um, snowboarding was also, the, the talk at the time was to also bring it in the Olympics. It had to be an Olympic sport prior to that. And um, so that was rattling around in my, you know, future goals for sure. Yeah. And so yeah. you said then that you you manifest directly. Has that played out in other areas of your life? or had it at that point? Like, had you seen it come in at that point? Um, yeah, I, I don't have other examples off the top of my, I mean, actually I do have other examples now that they're coming forward. Um, I had seen it happen, but not in something so magnanimous. So, you know, um, of course, there's the games of like manifesting your per parking spot easily and effortlessly. And I think I had always been interested in that, like, oh, this sounds so much fun. Let's just try this and see how it works. Um, yeah, but yes, it does continue to happen in my life often. Yeah. 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 And, you know, being so young and then having this realization that you have to take deep responsibility for it. How did that feel to you? It felt empowering. I think for the first time, um, I knew that I wasn't unrealistic. Like I wasn't asking for an unrealistic miracle. I knew that my body was going to heal at the pace that the tissue of a human body heals at <laughs> in this plane. So, um, I had committed myself to working with that. And, um, but it felt empowering to say like, oh, I asked for this. I can also like in conjunction with in co-creation, this is what I got. This is what I asked for. And this is what I created. So I must be powerful enough to undo it was the thought that I had. Um, I had no idea what that looked like and it was not in alignment with what my the medical professionals were telling me. So that was, I was young. So it was easy for me to be like, disregard them because I wasn't really attached to authority at that time. <laughs> so you're going, oh, they're funny. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I'm not doing that anyway. But let's, let's yeah. keep moving forward. Yeah, thank you. No, thank you. I'm not doing like, I was, you know, a little hot headed and a little arrogant, I suppose. And I think it saved me. Well, you know, I just really believed in myself, I guess. Yeah. Um, at that young age. Yeah. And what were some of the things that they were telling you to do that you went, no, we're not doing that? 
Uh, a double ankle replacement. Yeah. So they were going to put prosthetics in both of my ankles at 22 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, the, um, the percentage, the likelihood of them both being successful was almost non-existent. So if I did the first ankle replacement, I had a 50% chance of it being successful, meaning that it would reduce the amount of pain I was feeling and increase the, um, you know, quality of my life. So if the first one failed, then the next, the next one was zero, right? Even if it worked, it was still zero. Um, and then if the first one worked and the second one still was a 50, 50 chance, it was never a better than a 50, 50 chance that they could reduce the amount of pain I was in or give me a better quality of life. And that included a year of non-weight bearing, um, recovery. Right. So a year of sitting in a wheelchair potentially or just lying in a bed. They were kind of your two options. Maybe getting in a swimming pool might have been a third, but even that's weight-bearing to a certain degree. Yeah. So it just wasn't, I was, it was not an option for me. Yeah. It just seemed like a really bad gamble. Yeah. And so you were happy to let your bones heal by themselves? Is that the plan? I was, I, um, I got a really stiff pair of hiking boots. This is not sexy by the way, like (laughs) really stiff pair of hiking boots and I laced them up and I wore them everywhere. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a cat. I did eventually have my right leg casted after two years. Um, yeah, after two years. They did go back because the break was still prevalent. Um, but prior to that, I just got released of hiking boots. I know this will probably ruffle a lot of feathers. I'm not recommending that anybody do things the way that I do. It's just one example of taking deep responsibility for your life. Um, and I also got a job working as a river guide because... I had skills and experience in that in the past and it just felt really good and healing to have my ankles in really cold water all of the time. And so I just made that my occupation Mm. for a while. So either I was in the water or I was in hiking boots and those were two of the things that I did. I actually never stopped moving. Um, I did determine that I needed to keep going. So I would intentionally walk a lot. Um, and knowing what I know, what I, what I know now is that there's very little blood flow to the talus bones and most people end up having trouble if they've broken them because the bones essentially die. Mm -hmm. Um, and one of the ways to keep blood flow going is to keep moving. Um, and that for me was just intuitive. I didn't have a medical background. I didn't know that no one had ever told me. It just seemed like pain kills the pain, poison kills the poison. Yeah. So I walked on them a lot. Yeah. Wow. And so you're walking, <clears throat> you're walking on them, which brings blood flow to them. And then on the other hand, you're putting them in cold water to reduce inflammation. Yes. So you're really doing restorative work for them just intuitively. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, It took 
a lot of spending time by myself, like alone and really just asking the questions and then waiting for the answers. I mean, I, I would say I made all of this up, but I don't think I made it up. I think I was being given information because Mm -hmm. I just came from a clear space and was asking like really clear answers where I had response. Like I was all in hundred percent. Like it's me. I asked for it. I broke them. I'm asking for it. I'm going to heal them. Yeah. And that's really a clear line, right? Into source. So like we talked before, you've got some examples of, you know, calling in car spaces and all that sort of stuff. Um, But that's a level of trust that people still don't have around source and that it's actually true and that you can depend on that information. So was that still an intuitive knowing that that's, that you could ask those questions and just wait and that was enough? Yeah, that for me it's an intuitive knowing. Um, Mm. I think it's okay to be skeptical if people are just beginning to practice um, or even just beginning to open up to the idea of co-creation. I think it's perfectly okay to to be skeptical and to not know And if you can just suspend that playfully for a moment in time and just be curious um, and then wait and see what, you know, what's coming forward, because it will, when you ask for it, it will come forward Mm. and in the language in which the asker can understand um, whether that's vision or feeling or sound or, you know, spoken word or, or whatever, um, yeah, for me, it's just getting really quiet. And then I just sort of know it's like a, a shift washes over me. So that's how um, I understand it. Yeah, that's incredible. And to be able to do that at 20, like perhaps you were more open to it just down, you know, and that was okay. There wasn't any sort of, for me, the story comes that, you know, your head gets in the way and you want to make smart decisions, all of that sort of stuff. And so listening to those professionals probably would have been a direction that I would have taken. <laughs> um, but seeing what you saw and knowing what you know, like it's an amazing journey to then just go, no, I'm not doing that and this is what I'm going to do, even though, like you said, <clears throat> don't necessarily recommend it for everybody. So don't right. <laughs> don't follow my example. Follow, follow what's true for you. Yeah. I think, I mean, we have professionals who are looking out for us in, in our best interests, of course, like, and, and I think we all lean on them in our, in our lives, but also they're there as a tool. And if we're driving the bus, if we're making the ultimate decisions and we hold ourselves in that position of ultimate responsibility, then it becomes easier to to feel which ones really true are really truly are in our best interests. Mm. Um, if that, I'm not sure if I said that clearly, but, <laughs> you know. but it's true. Yeah. It's, it's taking that ultimate responsibility for your life instead of looking outside of yourself for the answers, coming back inside, really coming into that guiding authority, not your brain, <laughs> that inner yeah. knowing 
um, around what is true for you and continuing to move forward, even though sometimes it feels ridiculous or it feels like this isn't going to work, just continuing to move forward. Yeah. It, for me, um, it feels kind of childlike and innocent. Yeah. Um, and I enjoy being in that state. <laughs> I enjoy it. Uh, I've had I've been told that my archetype is the innocent child so I have no problem like hanging out and like wonder and like maybe maybe this could work um I also I grew I didn't grow up in a family that had religion and so um there was no one was telling me that anything should be a certain way um or shouldn't be a certain way I just always heard like okay honey like you know, if I'm out talking to the plants or fairies or whatever, I'm getting a download of information and I'm determining that it's true. Like I wasn't pressured to um, see things through any sort of a specific lens. And I, I perceive that that has helped me stay like the veil never dropped for me. I've been able to stay in this state where I'm connected to forth cool. some of the time. Not yeah. all of the time. <laughs> um, but you can also bring yourself back to it. Like when you notice that you're not following it, I imagine, you can go, oh, I'm a little bit out here. Okay, let's get back into my childish play. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Not too much time in meetings or doing anything too intellectual too often. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to. <laughs> we spend way too much time in that space. <laughs> I... After our first talk and you mentioned channeling and I, I was like, am I? Maybe, but there's something about the word channeling. It almost feels like it's, well, I think the misconception is that it's like a gift. I think that it's a skill. Mm -hmm. And so I want to offer that people can practice the skill of getting connected, the source and then they too can get direct answers, channeling, yeah. Yeah. or it comes through that way. Yeah, and understanding how it comes through for you, not yeah. like it may not be the wash over that you have that experience. But sometimes I can have, <clears throat> I was, yeah, I was at Nipple, <clears throat> which is a sport we play here, and I was exploring the clear senses. And I just read something that day and I was just like, no, no, I'm Claire Sentinent. I'm not Claire Audio. I'm not Claire um, Clairvoyant. But, of course, we've talked just before about me seeing numbers, so that's Clairvoyant. Yeah. And then I get to netball and there's a new girl, new woman starting to play in our team. Never met her before. This woman walks towards the crowd, doesn't come near me because she doesn't know me, and I went, oh, that's that person. Like I just knew in my body. And I went, Okay. <laughs> So we're clear audio too. Okay, I get it. Like so it was this whole just letting you know, just tapping in, just you know, the universe saying to me, you just stop, stop telling yourself you're not things because you are, and this one's yours too. So okay, thanks for that. So we can play with it and we can learn how these things um, I guess how the universe or how source speaks to us. And like you said, it is a skill that we can develop. It's not just something that naturally comes, it's like, you know. The, the best people at the world, in the world at doing the thing that they love to do have spent hours upon hours upon hours practising that thing. It's not just a yeah. skill that they have. So it's the same with um, tapping into source. It's a skill that we can all develop as well. 
Yes, I love that. It's beautiful. Yeah. So what have been, maybe we'll start with, what's the gifts that have come from this for you? Mm, Immediately, I when I decided that I had to take ultimate responsibility um, and realized that I was the director of my own life, that became very clear, um, good, bad, or otherwise, uh, I was going to get what I was asking for. Um, I think that was probably the greatest gift is to be careful what you ask for and be direct um, and to, to think it through. And... I think realizing that I had to look back at what I needed to break from when I said that, when I was exhausted and tired and I had taken too much on because I was not responsible in managing my own time, um, to take a step back at what got me to that point that I would be asking such a thing of my life and then learning to build a life that was in balance um, has probably been the greatest gift. And I'm still in pursuit of that all of the time. There's the perfectionist and the, um, you know, I have a lot of energy and I also had to, you know, learn to manage that, right. To take rest. And I mean, those have been the greatest gifts for sure. Learning to be more balanced, learning to rest, um, being clear in what I'm asking for, And physically and practically how that manifested was um, I now can do whatever I want. Like I, I own a yoga studio. I teach 11 classes a week. I go hiking with my family and my friends. I can ride a bike. I can ski. I can, I can do whatever I want to do. I don't even remember. I've had other bones in my body that I've broken was really wild. Um, and I, I mean, the ankles are easy cause it was both right. But the other ones, I actually have to like touch my body to, to remember which side had which injuries because they're gone. And I believe that I've manifested, um, my tissues back to perfect health. Yeah. And I remember in our chat, pre-chat, you said that you don't experience pain. I don't experience pain from those injuries mm. at all. No, I have, well, I have like one spot in my arm that will hurt like when the weather changes, but like, yeah. I guess I haven't addressed that one. <laughs> but other than that, like, I don't feel my ankles. I don't feel my knee or my tailbone or wrists or other things. Um, and I do choose to practice yoga four and a half hours a week. Um, so for me, that's my maintenance for like the, you know, the humanness, the, the fleshy part of it, the yeah. bones and the, and the muscles. Yeah. Yeah. And the yoga would definitely help. So I was yeah, talking to my son last night. He wants to do muscle lifting weight things and he's only eight. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but you can do stretching and do some yoga. And he's just like, that's not the same. And I went, no, no, it's not. And this is why. <laughs> yes. I, yes. It's. So restorative and it brings us back into the parasympathetic nervous system, which is our rest and digest as well, So, which can really support digestion. So for those listening, um, and it actually then helps us digest our foods and just calm our nervous system and 
we're actually a lot healthier if we do it that way as opposed to pushing our body and pushing it under stress. Is that what you found? Yes, absolutely. I don't I don't actually miss all the adrenaline sports mm. and the extreme sports that I was doing. Um, I find so much peace and calm in the yoga room in a, in an elated way. Like it doesn't it doesn't make me lethargic. Um, it does quite the opposite. It energizes me in a way that I think is very balanced and, and healthy. Yeah. Um, I'm always working to balance all of the systems in my body. Yeah. And do you find a typical, like, what kind of people are drawn to you and come into the yoga, the yoga studio? Are there particular types of people that come in? Yeah. Um, I am finding that the people who are coming in are people who are willing to take responsibility for their lives. Like it just keeps coming up over and over again. And I think that they, for whatever reason, are attracted to me because that was my energy. Um, But it's so enlightening and exhilarating to see other people out there doing it too, because they know it works. And then I just get to um, create the space, the vessel to, hold them I just get to make the container and then get to be part of their responsibility their deep their journey into deep responsibility for themselves yeah oh that's super cool yeah and if you think back to when it happened and or like what would have happened if it never happened do you believe oh um I probably would have dropped out of college I probably would have snowboarded a lot more. Um, and that was wonderful, but it wasn't my path and it wasn't the destiny. I think, I mean, maybe I would have found this anyways um, at another point in time, but I was on the trajectory of being a professional athlete. Um, and a lot of that wasn't in alignment with who I was because I'm particularly shy and I don't love to be, Uh, on television too much or in front of large crowds of people, which I was finding myself more and more. Um, So a blessing in disguise, I suppose, was, was the break because I, I don't think that I had the maturity to handle what was coming. Yeah. And you could already see what was coming. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of people out there that are in that position where they are the athlete or they are the performer or whatever, but it's taking it to that next level and being able to hold space for that and still be who you want to be. That can be really challenging for people. Yeah. I, I, I think that was in conflict actually yeah. at the time. I think you yeah. really nailed it right on the head. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So what would be one of your greatest lessons over the, you know, over this journey for you? Yeah, the lesson is definitely exploring the idea of 100% responsibility for our injuries, for our illnesses. Um, It it allows no room for like the victim mentality at all. And the the lesson for me was so cut and dry. Like it was so easy because it was literal that there was no wiggle room for me. Really, I could accept it easily there've definitely been things in my life where I'm applying the same principle and it's harder because I want to place blame or I want to, um, you know, push the cause or the responsibility off on someone other than myself. But 
the lesson that I learned is to just look at it deeply and, and apply the possibility that we have deep responsibility for whatever has gone in the moment we perceive it as wrong, I guess. Um, and knowing that that also gives us the freedom to heal it. We have a hundred percent responsibility to heal it in no one else's hands. So I think that's, that's probably the number one lesson, the most freeing lesson. Yeah. And as you said, some people can get caught in that victim mentality of why did this happen to me? But at no stage did that happen. It did as it appear that it happened to you. You just went, <laughs> let's, this is where we are. This is what we're meant to do. This is something that I asked for. So it's meant to be. Like, how can I take responsibility for it? And how can I move forward in life? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that's a huge responsibility. Well, it's a huge thing for a 20-year-old to think about. And perhaps at the time you didn't think, well, perhaps that's my story, right, around if I was 20, would I be necessarily be happy about that, um, especially when you have this sport that you love and you did love it at some on some level to then be moving forward but to have those conflicts starting to come up and then know that perhaps this isn't the right space but not knowing how to get out of it too, like, and perhaps just asking for, you know, I just need a break was actually asking for exactly what you wanted at the time, not necessarily realising that when I asked for a break, I was going to break both my ankles. No, I just wanted five minutes off or a day off. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to sleep in. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Not not Um, be out on the snow. Yeah. I, um, I think you hit the nail on the head. I do think that on a deeper level, I was asking for some sort of respite. From, from the things in my life that were out of balance. And I didn't know how to ask for that. And I didn't think I could. Um, but the freedom that came from going like, whoa, I just did that was like, oh, I can say whatever I want. I can do yeah. whatever I want. Because um, no one was coming to get me out of that. <laughs> no one yeah. was coming to fix those ankles. Yeah. And no one is coming in our lives to fix the things that we perceive are broken or are challenging us. We have to get ourselves out of those things. We can have people present at times to then help or guide in a different way, but we've still got to turn up for those things. Yes. Mm. So what does balance look like for you now? Oh, yeah. Um, Well, I'm in a new home on an acre in southwestern Washington, And I did also decide that I wanted to um, be my own landlord and work from home. So the property that I bought, I built a small boutique yoga studio uh, in the backyard. It's 25 foot commute for me from my home to work, um, which means I cut out all of the drive time, zero commute, some days and weeks I don't even leave. And I get to visit with all of the amazing people who come here who are attracted, like we talked about, to um, my energy and what I can offer them. Um, So I teach 11 yoga classes a week, which translates to about 30 hours. And I coach as well, a small number of clients at a time. 
Um, and I get to spend time with the love of my life and the three bonus children and one very large, moody, Bernese mountain dog poodle mix named Tuxedo. <laughs> oh, fabulous. <laughs> and you're a bonus yeah. mom to three kids. Yes, part-time. <laughs> yeah, how yeah. old are they? 11, 14, and 17. Nice. Yes. And that's a journey too? That is a journey too. It's a fun journey. Yeah. Um, I'm enjoying them good. a lot. Yeah. That's good. So who have you become because you've gone on this journey? I think I've become an example um, an example for people to make a drastic change in their life, um, to, to evaluate what's working and not working and make the hard choices to say, no, this is, I'm going to stop, make a 180 degree turn. Um, it's even if it's, it's painful or uncomfortable or seems tragic at the time, like, I know I'm an example for people that they can come through it and that it's really um, redirecting back onto their actual life path. And um, I think that I am an example for the people that I work with, at least um, face-to-face and on Zoom to just uh, believe, believe in like the connectedness uh, and an example of like, practical ways to stay connected to source and mm. to help it heal us. Mm. I do, I do believe it's practical. I think it's just a skill kind of like cooking. <laughs> you get better with it for you practice. <laughs> yeah. Do you find like your clients start practicing and go deeper as well? Um, yeah. I think that it's everyday conversation outside of the studio, how people are manifesting or the quirky ways that, um, that the universe is revealing itself to them. Like we love to swap stories. It's so (laughs) fun. I think it's, it's an everyday conversation. So it's really normalized. Yeah. I have a client who recently, um, we've been doing a little bit of work on astrology and, they weren't sure they were struggling with a particular component of it and then they went to yoga and they met this other woman, so my name's Susan, their name, met this woman named Susan and they were, they were diving into like they showed them the um, astrology chart and, and their challenges with it and talked about it and they, it was like that exchange, I'm going to just tell you that this happened because you know that that's, and I'm like, yeah, that's totally a sign. And they're like, mm, okay. And then they had another incident um, where their name came up to sort of just say, just letting you know, like what I would see that is you're in the right spot, like you're doing all the right things, just keep moving forward. Um, and so, yeah, sharing those stories are way fun. So <laughs> oh, much yeah, they're like a cup of tea and let's go and let's dive in a little bit deeper. And it's all around us, right? Like if we're if we're paying attention, it's all around us. Yeah. The signs that the universe is co-creating for us. Yes. Yeah. And so to now giving people, you know, the courage to just like you said play with it. Just play with it for a moment. You don't have to do anything with it. You can just see what comes out. Yes. 
Mm-hmm. Like when you would just hold someone in your mind and then wait for them to call you on the telephone. Yeah. <laughs> what other examples do you have? <laughs> oh gosh, um, so many. I think shortly after I broke my ankles, and of course I'm you know poor college student, and um, I would manifest money like to the to the penny, um, multiple times. Um. The house that we're in, we drove by it all the time saying, if that house ever went on the market, that would be a really great place for us to live. And then on a random Saturday, we were driving out here, what's in the country, to a baby shower. And they were putting the for sale sign in the yard. And we went to the baby shower. Our realtor was there. We left the baby shower with her, made the offer, and they accepted the next day. (laughs) We had just been driving by this place going, yeah, that one. Yeah, that one. I wonder who lives there. Should we, what, should we go talk to them? What are we, you know, it's so nice. We'll look by every time we go by, like, oh, look, you know, we love that tree in the front yard. If it ever went on the market, like it could be ours. That would be so great. Mm, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, you still have to go through the things like the bank and the credit score and the, you know, all the things. But like, but to draw the possibility into my life. Yeah. And to me, that speaks of being a specific manifester. Like, and you've talked about this, like I literally call in exactly what I want in life. And so I have to be careful of my language when I'm in that clear space. Whereas for me, I feel like I'm more of a non-specific manifester. So I just kind of think I want to live by the beach and we'll just see what happens. And I don't necessarily, I do, to be fair, I did um, through my husband more so because he will be more that creator um, and he'll go, okay, so we're going to go and see this house. Okay. And then I'll go, no, that's not the house. And go, what about this? No, that's not the house. Or he would show me properties that were the one back from the beach. And I said, <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. If we're moving to the beach, we're going to be that front property. We're not the back property. He goes, but it's the same. You can still hear it. I'm like, yeah, no, it's not enough. So Yeah. <laughs> It's this co-creation process that we have between the two of us um, but then leads me to, be- well, my belief is that I'm more a non-specific manifester than a specific manifester, but that doesn't so mean that I can't. you the, like, broad picture of something and then your partner susses out the details. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So how well, we were living in Canberra, so which is the capital of Australia, and we were looking to move to a coastal area just on the south coast, so three hours no more from where we were. And Chris, COVID happens, 2020, and Chris says to me, it's not going to happen, the bottom's going to fall out of the property market, da-da-da-da-da, it's going to be a few years away before we can make this move. And I just said to him, what's one way we can make it happen? And mm. thinking, my brain went to, we'll just get an Airbnb down the coast once a month and we'll just make that a a part of our manifesting process because then we can have a look at different areas and just explore different places. Within a week we get a phone call from his brother talking about a property up in Queensland and Chris says, if you don't buy it, we'll buy it. And I was just like, hang hang on a minute, Queensland wasn't on the list. <laughs> How did this happen? And then it just unfolded from there. And so we went through like we didn't we didn't buy that property. His brother bought that property. Then Chris made an offer on another property within a week. That fell through then we found this, the property that we're in, but we didn't take it the first time. And then that led us through um, a process with a third property 
where it was kind of a mirror of what had happened with the second property where we had sort of signed contracts um, pending viewing and then when Chris got here, he was getting mixed signs because he was worried that he wasn't sure if I would like it and I wasn't here. All I was seeing was what he was showing me. Um, and so on one, the video that he took of the house, he goes, I think this is it. But then he went, no, it's not it. So he had to go through a process to figure that out. And then that mirrored out in the next property that we were looking at. And then we came back to this property. So it's it was a process, like it wasn't just a straightforward line. Yeah. But once we had decided and said to the owners, we'll take it. And um, we signed the next day. Um, and then our property that we're in, we were still finishing renovations on that. And so we had to get those renovations done and we sold it via letter in the letterbox. So we didn't even go to market. Do you know what I mean? Like it just yep. unfolded. <laughs> yeah. And yep. all I said around that was it would be really nice if we got a letter in the letterbox. Like that would be really cool. Um, and so, And I didn't attached to it or anything like that and we had a real estate agent that we had signed with um and so yeah so we're still going through that kind of process but then one Saturday night Chris goes out to the mailbox to pick find something that he was looking for and here's a letter and yeah it just unfolded from there so (laughs) fun stuff it's so fun I love it it's just that there's nothing only the only thing that limits us is our own limited thinking right yes yeah absolutely so before I get into the wrap-up questions, is there anything else that you want to add? Mm. I think um, just for your listeners, just um, find the, the space to be open and be a little creative and playful if if you're looking to heal something in your life that... Um, you're ready to just let go of or turn into a catalyst for change. Mm. Just be curious. Even if it's for a second, like hold the space for one second and see how it really feels. And um, maybe, maybe this will inspire them. Yeah. And just, you mentioned before, like it comes from play for you. It comes from play and often people can get caught up in their minds and it has to be a particular way. But what you're suggesting is just to drop that for for one second. Just come back into your body, come back into feeling good. Would that be fair to say? And, like, think about it from what if it was possible to heal or what if it was possible to change this and start to dream a little bit? Yeah, exactly. I love that dream about it. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm a massive believer in self-love and it's been a cornerstone to my healing. What's one thing that you do for self-love? Walk in the grass for sure. <laughs> Barefooted every Excellent. day. Yeah, every day. And <laughs> every is it cooling? It, it is right now, yeah. Yeah, temperatures are dropping. I think we're officially in fall here, so it's going to get colder. But just take my shoes off and stick my feet in the grass. Yeah. yeah. Are you going to get snow where you are? We will get snow, probably not for a couple of months, but mm. we'll have a we'll have a full four seasons here. Yeah, beautiful. And if myself and the listeners were to take one thing from today and implement it in our own lives and service of you, what would that be? Um, to entertain the idea of ultimate responsibility for anything that you perceive is is wrong or anything that you perceive has been done to you. Mm. So um, whether that's injury or illness or something that 
you've been unable to take responsibility for changing because you haven't yet taken responsibility for for creating it. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, across different aspects of life that can be more challenging for people, um, but taking responsibility for your ownership, like your part of it, yeah. Um, not yeah. not not necessarily. No, no, no. That's exactly right. Let them have theirs. You do you. Yeah. So tell us about the work that you're doing in the world, and where can people find you? Oh gosh, um, the work that I'm doing in the world is having the yoga studio, the Yoga Annex, of course, here in Washington, um, and that is on my physical property in Battleground. Um, And in conjunction with that, I am a personal life coach and I specialize in coaching confidence for instructors in the boutique fitness industry. So people who are teaching yoga or Pilates or spin or whatever their classes may be, because it's such a way to reach people in the world. Like it's just so people come because right, they want six pack abs and type, but, but they also want all the other things that we're doing. And so if I can help them have confidence and stay in the industry, then I feel like um, I'm really doing service. Um, my business is called Yoga Brain Coaching, and I can be found on social media, Facebook or Instagram um, as Yoga Brain Coach. Beautiful. Well, thank you, Mika. Thank you for this amazing conversation, and thank you for sharing your journey and that deep responsibility, you know, that we can all take on in our own lives to better our lives effectively and to grow and to evolve into the beautiful people that we are. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you and your podcast and I don't want this conversation to end. (laughs) Me either. Thank you for joining me today. And I have a couple of small favors to ask. If you love this episode, please share it with someone you love and you know the episode will resonate with. Also to help spread the word about my podcast, please head over to iTunes and leave me a review. I love hearing your thoughts about my podcast and what's resonating with you. Plus, it helps us share my podcast with the rest of the world, which is amazing. Finally, thank you so much for being here. I'm super grateful for you and I'm truly honored you've spent your time with me. Let's keep rising. Let's keep growing because it's totally possible to live a life you love every day right where you are. See you in the next episode.